Hey all you space cats, it's your favorite underground artist, Mitch Miller, also known as Dead Eddie, and this is the Black Hole Podcast, Season 6, Episode 10 of Dead Eddie vs. Corporate America. So something I forgot to mention in the last Halloween episode is there's a Devil's Comet in the uh, area of our sun and planets here until spring. Uh, so that's interesting. I, I find a, a, a perfect time to ask, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? It's something I ask of all of my listeners. Uh, I feel, I believe it probably means different things to different people, but I had to ask. <clears throat> remember, remember the 7th of November, 13 years ago today on November 7th. I was taken from my house, thrown in a solitary confinement cell, forced psych meds, and uh, systematically my bank account was drained by a CIA-funded company. So everybody, so that night when I was taken in to the Allegheny County Jail, there was a bomb threat that was called into the jail that night. So everybody's got their own gunpowder plot, right? But I want to move on to something I promised on the description of the last thing. It has to do with racism, small towns. Uh, I grew up in a small town, and I manage a a campground in that small town. And I, I recently spoke with a friend. I invited her to come to the campground next summer. And... She expressed a legitimate concern about a black person coming out to the countryside. Um, I believe I answered honestly. Um, you know, the the and that it caused me to to think why why does racism thrive in these small communities? Um, you know, now I don't want to misrepresent my small community. Uh, most people are, uh, you know, accepting, but, um, you know, you encounter these offhanded comments, you encounter these things and, and you, you, you have that encounter and you think back, should I have acted differently when that happened? Right. And it's a difficult question because, most of these people that make those off-handed comments are not in the best mental state, number one. Number two, most of them own a gun or have access to guns, right? So is it is it our place to uh, act in a certain way to try to personally, on a one-on-one personal connection, change this person's viewpoint or... And this is why I studied media. I have a degree, a bachelor's degree in media. You know, if they can just go back and put on Fox News or put on a podcaster or some internet troll or whatever you call them, that can reaffirm their position, that can justify their their feelings and their uh, position, then... You know, you're not really getting at 
no matter what you say to them, you're not going to get to the root of what is happening. And it's the media. And, and we have to change the media if we want to reduce racism. And so, you know, just for example, the media, think about how China and North Korea are represented in the United States media. If you don't think there's a connection for how some people in this country feel about Asian, people of Asian descent, uh, I think that's naive to not make those connections, right? Um, so it, media allows it to thrive, you know, especially disinformation on the internet and stuff like that. And as I mentioned before, it's a for-profit media system here in the United States. It's not fact-based. We do not have fact-based media. There's some sliver of fact-based media in publicly funded public broadcasting where the patrons pay to send journalists out and do in-depth reporting. Other than that, it's a for-profit media system which is just geared to stir up emotion to drive up ratings so that they can sell more products, sell their advertising at a higher rate, make more profit. So they're not presenting facts in the news and in the media. They're trying to stir up emotion, and that's why the Internet looks like the way it is, too. But I want to talk about racist ideology in the local news, right? You have these local news channels out of every major metropolitan city, and they broadcast the local news, what, five times a day, a couple times in the morning, three times in the evening, five hours, six hours a day, they broadcast a local news program out to a 150-mile to 200-mile radius around these cities, into these small towns. And in the small towns, their news source is or used to be newspapers, right? So when a crime occurs in a small town, you might see it pop up as a blurb in the police blotter. Uh, you might see a mugshot occasionally in the newspaper. But um, that's how it's presented when the crime occurs in the small town. But we have the best technology, all the fancy gadgets and whiz-bangs and everything, openings to the news channels making it sound legitimate best technology in the city displays the mugshots of black people and latino people right out to 200 miles away to these small towns um you know to people that are just tuning in to try to get a figure out what the weather is going to be they get these shots of crimes and alleged suspects and their mugshots. Now, the only and and that's the only fact-based part of the local news broadcast is that yes, this person was arrested. That's a fact, and this is their mugshot. That's a fact, right? And they're broadcasting these mugshots out over, you know, 70 years, what, how, how many tens of millions of mugshots have gone out to these small communities of people tuning into the news, you know, and how does that affect how they look at these minority 
black, Latino, other minorities. You know, and they get away with it because they're a public service, right? They're they're showing the public uh, information that the police want to get out there, and it's a public service. It's minimal effort. They can collect this from the police easily. Minimal effort. They get the fact-based, the sliver of fact-based information they put out there. And it's public information, right? So, again, you have the best technology broadcasting these mugshots. And somebody tunes in to watch the evening news, see what the weather's going to be, and they get bombarded with all this crime. And it's, it's minority people being their pictures showing up and that imprints on someone's brain and they think they've gathered the facts to form their opinion about these minorities and it's just and there's there's plenty of white people that commit crimes and sure they show up in the evening news sometimes but i want to talk about how we can change this in a significant way because in bill earl and dead eddie verse corporate america episode one we did a mock court trial where we argued that uh that there should be a video series that explains exactly what is illegal and what is legal in the united states and that might help less it might help people not get arrested as much the the government doesn't inform the public as to what the laws are and this is their excuse oh the evening news shows all these people breaking the law. So that's what, that's our way of informing people what's illegal and what's legal. They don't try to put out a comprehensive video series that matter-of-factly explains a lawyer in front of a camera, matter-of-factly explaining what is legal and what is illegal. They say, oh, the evening news shows, if you can't figure it out, right, it's on you. That's our perfect corporate communism system where your misery is your own fault and this is why other countries probably adopted this. Your misery is your own fault, and if you can't figure it out on your own, then you deserve to be arrested, right? So I'm looking for a group of lawyers for change. We can make these matter-of-fact videos, and you can start this in your city. Every city should have this, a group of lawyers for change. And then we form a website, right, that does the public service that the evening news claims they're doing, right? We, we gather all the crimes that occurred in the city. We put it on a website. Maybe the mugshots are on there, maybe not. And uh, we collect that daily and put it on a website. We do the police blotter, whatever, this website set up. And then anytime a black or Latino mugshot is shown on the evening news... This team of lawyers goes after that news channel, and they say, look, you have to show us how much advertising you took in on that evening news program. You have to be transparent. I'm always for transparency. You have to be transparent and show us how much money you made on that local news program with the with this black person's mugshot. How much money did you make off of that? Then... Once that's opened up to transparency, once we fought and received this situation, 
a percentage of that of those advertising dollars from that evening news program goes to victims of that crime of the crime they highlighted in the evening news with the black person's mugshot uh a percentage of that advertising revenue goes to the victims right so if we did this if it actually cost the news the evening news money to show these easily obtainable public information records we might stop the racist ideology that these news programs put out there to the countryside and we might start to change the way people look at things and, and who knows we might actually cover white collar crime in the evening news or political fraud uh, because it would cost less to cover that stuff and they might actually invest in journalistic investigations and do the the job that they're supposed to do instead of being the laziest possible news program possible and getting away with it because right the the uh the police and the government needs their service to communicate to people when there's an emergency or whatever well we just had a big test not too long ago where the federal government contacted every cell phone in the country. So that's no longer an excuse. People can be contacted through other means, radio, uh, telephones, and so on. So instead of taking the easy, lazy route and holding the weather hostage so that they can put out racial, racist pictures and stir up emotion and convince people that they've form their opinions based on facts um we make it cost prohibitive for them to continue to do that even though they've done it for 70 years and it's going to be an uphill battle to change this ideology that exists and it's unfortunate um so i'm looking for lawyers or anyone that wants to help my websites are plotm.com trafnet.org Mitch for mayor, the number four mayor.com and alma voter.com. Contact me through that. Um, I wanted to touch, I'm getting, I know I'm going a little long here, but I wanted to touch on some things I meant to say over the past three podcasts that I forgot. So I took notes on them. So we talked about slavery, how it still exists, modern day slavery, however you want to term it how the slavery still exists for people who make minimum wage seven thirty-five an hour in the United States, I think. Anyone that makes under $20 an hour is a slave, in my opinion. But the government, look, the government has social programs, right? The government says, look, you shouldn't have to be a slave in this country. So if you can live off of a little bit less than minimum wage per month, we'll give you some programs so that you don't have so your only option isn't to just become a slave for the corporate communists right and these social programs welfare social security uh unemployment right but we're, the government we're, the government knows we can't offer you uh minimum wage equal to minimum wage through these social programs or the corporate co corporate communists can't find employees to work for their slave wages anymore so we'll be just under that 
but you don't have to be a slave in this country. The government will step in and say, hey, we'll support you. Uh, you're going to struggle, probably. But, uh, you know, you're going to struggle at minimum wage wages, too. So you have to weigh your options. I saw a thing on social media recently about Henry Ford, the inventor of the mass production assembly line here in the United States, developed it to uh, churn out uh, internal combustion cars, uh, Ford Motor Company, that he, once he established the assembly line, a more efficient process for assembling goods, it changed the entire industrial revolution, uh, drove down costs of products, and allowed, you know, obviously for more profit for the owners of the companies, he, after establishing the mass production assembly line, also established a 40-hour work week, 40-hour, five-days-a-week work week. So it's almost as technology develops, as technology um, improves, innovates, if we had responsible owners of companies, not corporate communists, we would establish better working conditions and uh, establish lower work weeks and more people would be able to support their family. So, for example, if we wouldn't have had two wars that we had to buckle down, right? That's what war is all about. Buckle down and work hard now because we're at war somewhere. Um, if we wouldn't have had two wars after that assembly line was developed uh, in the, you know, going from the 50s forward, if the corporate communists wouldn't have taken over this country, uh, we'd probably be able to work 20 hours a week and support a family of five, right? And that doesn't just mean I'll go out and have three children. A family of five means maybe you're taking care of a couple grandparents or a parent and two grandparents, right? But the point is we wouldn't have to work 40 hours a week if this innovation if the standard set by Henry Ford would have continued for the past hundred years. So that's just something to think about under corporate communism. We have the opposite. You have to work two, three jobs. You can live on your own. If you work two or three jobs uh, for minimum wage, you'll be fine. Buckle down. The other thing I wanted to point out is that you might still say that the internet is a free exchange of ideas. It is not. It is not a free internet. Think about it. If it was a free internet, we'd have something to make it easier to form unions. And I'm not just talking about the union website where you vote on officers or vote to form a union. I'm talking about anonymously sharing or I'm talking about encrypted messaging so that people in the workplace can rely on a messaging system to organize without their bosses and their owners knowing about it. Instead of relying on a encrypted messaging system that's owned by a billionaire that can show that company, hey, hey, I got all these encrypted messages of your employees getting ready to unionize, right? Uh, what about a share, anonymously sharing compensation and job descriptions, compensation information, so that uh, you can compare the wages you're receiving in one job to a similar job somewhere else? and so that we can figure out 
what fair compensation is, right? That would be free internet if that was available. And uh, a voting site, not just for officers of an organization, but to actually allow people to openly vote on different subjects and things like that, something I don't really think exists on the free, so-called free internet that I've been trying to launch for years now. The last thing I want to talk about is that the media, the for-profit media, shows poverty and suffering as a tool to say you are not slaves. Look at the poverty and suffering of other nations, of other places. This is America. This is the best country in the world. It's not ruled by corporate communists. Look at how much, how worse it could be for you. Right? We're not the most efficient at oppressing people of any nation in the world. We're the best. We're the brightest, so on and so forth. And that's what the media does. They show poverty and suffering. Now think about it. They make billions, if not trillions of dollars a year. They could offer solutions. The media, if this wasn't this tool by corporate communists, they could offer solutions, but they don't. Think of the things we see, the war-torn areas around the globe. They could create a framework, a platform, which I've proposed, where charities can upload video, they can be totally transparent so that when you donate to a war-torn area somewhere, the you can go to your, your major media company, click on a link, it takes you to a portal, and you can see the charities, see how transparent they're being, see the updates, and see how much, what portion of your money goes where. You could even possibly even vote on that, right? They could create this framework so that when they fly around the world to show all this devastation, that they also offer a solution that, hey, we have a framework built. We put a billion dollars into having an open source framework for charities to be totally transparent so that we can show that your money does go to helping these people. But they don't try to do that. They just want to show the misery so that we don't stand up to the corporate communists and say enough is enough. It's time to change things. Well, my friends, it is time to change things. I know I ran a little long on this one. This might be the final one for this season. So I'll close uh, with my no new closing, if I remember to say it every time. I wish you peace, prosperity, and homeostasis. Thank you.